Monday. Dim light radiated through the curtains. The house was still saturated with silence. The wooden beams creaked occasionally, expanding along the raising temperature of the morning. I looked at the phone next to my pillow. 6.30am. I had no motivation to get up, but I could no longer find a comfortable position to lie in either. I groaned as my feet searched for my slippers in the carpet. I put on a fleece jacket, switched the kettle on in the kitchen and visited the bathroom. Still no sound from any of my girls. I sat down in front of the computer in the living room, rudely awakening it from its slumber. 46 new email messages. My mind felt fresh and unhampered. To sort my bricks, I I need to know what bricks I own already. It would take too long to count them, but maybe somebody had already made some sort of list of what bricks are in the sets I own. I did not feel lucky, but my query was answered with a wealth of results anyway. Brick set. That could do it. I clicked on the first link and then searched for X-Wing Fighter, which resulted in 14 hits. Two of them looked identical to the set I owned, but had different numbers. Apparently this 7140 set had been re-released as 7142 in 2002, after its original launch in 1999. Brickset had precise inventories of the set and allowed me to mark the set I owned. Moreover, the website provided me with summaries of my collection, which was currently exactly the one set I had marked. I stared at the screen for a while before I got up and brought the binder with the instructions to the computer table. I started entering the set numbers printed on the instructions. Brickset knew all of them and listed their content. When I had entered a third of them, I walked into the girls' room and opened the curtains. Camellia reluctantly turned around in her bed. Good morning. I examined the door that led to Marky's room. No sign of life yet. The house had fallen back into its soundlessness. I entered another third of my sets into Brickset before I got up again, walked to the door and listened carefully. Nothing. It'll be a big hassle again if she does not wake up soon. I walked to my own room and dressed before entering the girls' room again. Wake up, Camellia! Her eyes were shut, but I could tell that she was already awake. I gently pulled back the blanket. While I repeated the same procedure with Poppy, Camellia pulled her blanket back up using her legs. You really need to get up now or you will be late for school. Seriously, please get up now. I left the room again, hoping to enter the last set numbers into Brickset when Marky entered, still wearing her pyjamas and with her eyes only half open. Are you still doing your Lego thing? I found a website that will tell me exactly what parts I own based on the sets I purchased. That way I can find a better sorting system. Hmm. How long were you up last night? A little while. You need to get more sleep. Don't tell me what I need. Why don't you help the children get dressed? Uh, Yes, I'm just going to finish this. You can do that later. We are late. Oh, really? What a surprise. I've been up since 6.30. What have you been doing since then? Well, I've... (sighs) I remained as an empty and dried up shell. 
I could not lift a finger to enter another number into the website. Instead, I stared at the pixels and hoped they would look back. I can't find my shirt. Daddy, can you help me find it? Uh, the, the shirt? Uh, y- yes, uh, c- go and find it yourself. Daddy, can you help me find it? Yes, I'm coming. I helped the children to dress. Camelia in her school uniform and Poppy in her normal clothes. I then sneaked back to the computer to enter just a few more set numbers. As soon as Marky returned, this time fully dressed, I quickly rose and followed her to the kitchen. Poppy and Camelia had started to draw pictures sitting at the dining table. Uh, What do you want for breakfast? I want a bread with salami. And what do you want, Poppy? Poppy? Poppy, I'm talking to you. What? What do you want for breakfast? Pancakes. Okay. I prepared the food while Marky prepared the lunch boxes for the children. I also prepared my own sandwich and sat down with the children to eat. Marky was still working on the lunch boxes when we finished, and I commanded the girls to comb their hair and brush their teeth. Camelia left for the bathroom right away, but Poppy remained at the table, continuing her drawing from before. Poppy, go and get ready. I just need to finish the drawing. Uh, no, Poppy, you must get ready now or we will be late. Just let me finish. Poppy, I've had enough of this. Now go and get ready now. Leave her alone. She will do it in a minute. Oh, screw this. If she knows how to get the girls ready in time, then please be my guest. I sat down at the computer again. Resignation settled in. I finished entering the sets and Brickset reported that I owned 120 sets of which 117 were unique, which resulted in a total of 40,927 parts. Whoa, I own more than I thought. Poppy, you really need to get ready now. I'm busy. I understand how you feel, but we will be late. I want to finish the picture. Rob, can you take Poppy to the bathroom? I need to get ready as well, and I didn't have any breakfast. You need to go to sleep earlier. I knew what such a comment would lead to, and I remained silent. I am talking to you. Yes, I will help her. Marky stormed back to her room to prepare herself for the day, and once the girls and I were ready to go, Marky was still running around the house. She grabbed a bowl of rice, added some fury kake on top, and chased Camellia into the car. She slammed the rice bowl on top of the one from yesterday. The rice spread across the floor of the car, revealing that this was not the most stable position, if there ever was one. I put Poppy in the child seat on the back of my bicycle and left shortly before Marky. The traffic was heavy, but I could easily pass the queued up cars. On the way to Poppy's daycare centre, I passed Camellia's school. Most parents seemed to drop their kids with their car, resulting in thick chaos of running children. Worried mothers and far too many parallel parking attempts. I had both of my hands on the brakes, expecting a car door to open at any time while I manoeuvred in the small gap between parked cars and the slowly moving traffic. A yellow Toyota that had been parked on the side of the road cut into the bicycle path right in front of me. It was still unable to join the flow on the street. You're blocking the way! I rapidly used my brakes to avoid the obstacle on the bike path. No response could be heard, but a driver on the road took mercy on the impossible situation and allowed the car to cut into the traffic. I accelerated again, and a few metres down the road I passed the Toyota. I slowed down, bending my head down to get a view of the driver. Please don't kill me! The middle-aged Asian mother did not turn her head, 
Her expression remained empty and ignorant. Jesus! A traffic light turned red and while I stopped I noticed the extra weight of Poppy in the back. Are you okay? Yes, Daddy. Why did you yell? Well, that lady cut into the bicycle path without even looking. That's very dangerous. I don't want us to crash. That's not happening. You are steering. If only everything was in my control. We biked on, and when we arrived at the daycare centre, I carefully unbuckled Poppy and lifted her out from her seat. Together we walked into the centre and Poppy dashed off into the play area as soon as I'd taken off her jacket. Have fun! Goodbye, Daddy! On the way out, I observed a young Asian boy clinging to the leg of his mother, who desperately tried to persuade him to let go. It filled my chest with pride that Poppy was so independent. She had never cried when I dropped her off. I walked back to my bike, and in only a few minutes I was in my office. I fell into my office chair and closed my eyes. I enjoyed the silence that was broken only by the fans of the four computers that continuously ran in this office. Only two of them were mine. Hao Lu called the other two his own. He was not yet in and I tried to enjoy this moment of solitude with a nice cup of tea. But my mind had already started spinning. I have to give a lecture at 11am. I have to answer my emails. I have to finish the paper before the deadline. I have to prepare my material for my promotion. There's a group meeting at 10am. I could not help myself and pressed a key on the keyboard. It took the screens a few moments to leave their power safe mode. My computer had remained on all night like it did every day. 53 new email messages. In the back of my mind I knew that I had to continue writing my paper. The deadline was only two weeks away. I started up my word processor and stared at the screen for a little while, sipping from my cup of tea. I moved to the introduction section and typed a few words. 54 new email messages. My mouse started to hover towards the icon of the email program. Focus, Rob, focus. I wrote another sentence, looked up a reference and then inserted it at the end of the sentence. That should be sufficient backup for this claim. 55 new email messages. Damn it! I switched to my email client and glimpsed at the messages, quickly looking at all of them in sequence. Alumni newsletter, delete. Invitation to submit paper for a useless conference, delete. Invitation to review a paper. Click on the refuse link. Invitation to link to colleague via LinkedIn. Hit the accept button. Invitation to submit a paper. Delete. Invitation for World Businessman's Directory. Only $150. Mm, nah, delete. Reminder to return book to library. Flag. Department of Business Innovation joins our department. What? We are happy to announce that Professor Dr. Adam Hummer and his research groups on business processes and innovation has joined our department. Interesting. Flag. Next message. You have exceeded your email quota. Your account will be disabled if you do not delete or archive 471 megabytes of messages. Yes, please. Disable my account. I am sick of this anyway. Does this annoying reminder also count in the 471 megabytes? Delete. Next message. 
Next message, next message. The door to my office swung open and Hao Liu walked in. Morning. Good morning, Hao. A new research group will join our department. Who is it? Adam Hummer and his business and innovation group. What did they research? I have no idea. We might find out in our group meeting. I need a coffee. Hal trudged out while I refocused on my screen and my tea. 31 new email messages left. Damn it. Read, flag, read, delete, read, delete, delete, read, flag, read, answer, read, answer. Hal returned with a coffee in his hand and we both immersed ourselves in the daily virtual discourse until we walked together over to the meeting where we joined the other 14 members of the group. Can we please start the meeting? Did you have a chance to review the minutes of our last meeting? Maybe you want to read them now. Any corrections? None? Then I approve the minutes. Let's have a look at the agenda. Do we have any additions? Any? Okay, then let's get going. Announcements. Professor Adam Hummer and his innovative business group are going to join our department. They have been assigned offices on the third floor. There will be an official welcome ceremony later in the week. Any questions? Uh, yeah, uh, what's the research about? Well, business matters around innovation and its improvement for the agile market. Yeah, well, what does that mean? I don't know. Maybe you can ask Adam? The meeting moved on with its weekly routine of announcements, discussions, talks about funding opportunities and the promotion of the group. The number of attendees who started to more or less secretly stare at their mobile devices increased steadily. The usual appeals to apply for funding and to publish papers were met with the routine lip services. I fled this weekly ritual of insufficiencies to give my lecture on the fourth floor. Not much preparation was necessary since this was not the first time I talked about the topics, but I still made an effort to engage the students in the content. The more pressing problem during the lecture was my bladder. I was tempted to give the students a group discussion task just for the opportunity to let go of all the tea I had drunk. Towards the end of the lecture it was not the students with the strongest urge to leave, but me. I dashed towards the toilets, being clean, damn it, down to the third floor. I rushed through the toilet door with my hand already on my zipper, what the? I came to a full stop in front of an office desk. It stood in the middle of the room, cutting through my path to the urinals. I looked around. The, the toilet cubicles were filled with books, shelves and moving boxes. Can I help you? Why is this desk in the toilet? Why are you at this desk? Who are you? I am Professor Mark Smith. You can call me Professor Smith. I'm with the Innovation and Business Science Group. Pleased to meet you. Maybe you have some more urgent business to attend to? Uh, yes, well, I was looking for, but, but then I'll be back. For a moment, I thought about just returning to my own room, but my curiosity got the better of me. I returned to the third floor and placed my hand on the door handle. I hesitated and raised my hands to the height of my chest, my knuckles facing outwards. I insecurely knocked on the toilet door and was rewarded with a clear... Come in. It's me again. I'm sorry to have stormed in here before. Well, 
I'm Robert Park from the Intelligent Design Group. Uh, pleased to meet you, Robert. Are you sure you're not a Kim or a Lee? <laughs> Please do not make me even more common than I already am. I'm sorry for the confusion about the room. Facility management hasn't been able to attach my name plaque to the door yet. I wish I could always receive as many visitors as today, but for most of them, I haven't been the highest priority. <laughs> that might have something to do with the nature of this room. Yeah. Yes, it is a great room, isn't it? All of you poor academics have to share toilets and sinks. I only wish I had a window as well. If you see it from that perspective. So, what questions are you trying to answer? Oh, my research is about how people interact with technology. No. What questions are bothering you right now? There was the paper I was currently writing, but those questions had been defined a long time ago and it was just a matter of expanding on them. I scratched my forehead and looked at Professor Smith, who looked mildly back at me. His full grey hair, his white beard and his wrinkles radiated confidence and compassion. His wool sweater confined his belly and his gentle smile encouraged me to speak. Well, just yesterday I ran into this weird little problem. It's nothing really, but I was trying to build some Lego with my two daughters and we simply couldn't do it. First I couldn't find the bricks quickly enough. We then sorted them by colour into a couple of bins, but I still couldn't find them easily. I was able to create a rough estimation of how many bricks I own, but I have no idea how I can sort them. Also, I'm concerned that I don't have enough bins to sort them into. It's silly. It has nothing really to do with research and I'm just annoyed that it might take forever only to be able to build my old models. So, you're an AFOL? Hmm, no, I'm not awful. Maybe just a bit crazy. No, I mean adult fan of Lego. Oh, oh. I have a good friend, Francis Taylor, who is also deeply involved in Lego. He told me about this acronym. Maybe I should introduce you to him. That might be nice. But coming back to your question, I don't think it's that trivial. It's one of the biggest questions in the world. I was not aware of that. Ask yourself, how could we function if we did not have categories for things? How could we talk about rivers if we didn't have a shared definition of what a river is. Moreover, our definition of what makes a river a creek might change over time and across cultures. But if we cannot clearly define what is a river and what is a creek, how can we ever talk about or know about it? Exactly. The most precise definition of the world is the world itself. And to make things worse, Heraclitus already pointed out that you cannot step into it the same river twice. Even your legs will change how the river flows. The world is dynamic and your investigation is changing its course. How does that relate to my Lego problem? How did you decide which colours share a bin and what was this definition based on? Well, for most cases it was obvious. Well, the, the girls only really fought about some weird bluish green colour. Bluish green? What a name for a colour. Was it blue or green? I don't know. It was somewhere in between. There you go. You didn't have clear definitions and hence you couldn't sort the bricks. You're not alone with this problem. Many cultures in the world use the same word for both blue and green. In the Lakota Sioux language, for example, thol is used for both. But how could I have distinguished between them? I mean, I haven't got a spectrophotometer at home. Even if you did, it might not have helped, since there is no clear definition of where one colour starts and the other ends. Plus, 
you would still have to convince your daughters. Well, that could indeed have been a problem. Language is surprisingly dynamic phenomenon. New words enter our dictionary, change their meaning or fall out of usage. Still, people have to agree to some degree for communication to work at all. This will not only concern me and my girls, but all the Lego fans. You might want to look into the uh, Austrian philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein. What relevant thoughts did he fail to conceal? He first published a book entitled Tractacatus Logico-Philosophicus, in which he elaborated on the logic of language. He tried to clean up the language so that philosophers could more clearly define what problems actually are true problems and which are only language games. One of his famous recommendations has been, what we cannot speak about, we must pass over in silence. I wish more people would follow his recommendation. But what, what does this have to do with my sorting problem? We use words to classify the world we live in. Our language then defines the boundaries of what is thinkable. You mean we're limited in our understanding of the world by the language we use? Yes, but, but don't worry. Philosophers did not accept such constraints and started to define their own words and grammars. Martin Heidegger is an example of a philosopher who ended up defining his own terminology to express his thoughts. The point being? The terms you may decide to use to describe your classification system are embedded into the larger framework of the language. You know, to put it into the words of Wittgenstein's later work, the meaning of a word is its use in the language. I, I don't expect that much ambiguity in the terms for colours. And what would you do if the Lego company released a huge number of bricks in a new colour? Your system of sorting your bricks might have to get adjusted, assuming you would purchase those bricks. You're right, but his discussion is still useless, since I've already discovered that sorting the bricks by their colour is impractical. I still can't find a piece amongst similar coloured bricks. I need to find another way of sorting. I'm afraid that no matter what feature you use to distinguish the bricks, colour or otherwise, you would still face the ambiguity problem. I'm not a Lego expert, but I bet that Francis might be able to help you with it. I'll send him an email and put you in the CC. You can then talk directly to each other. Oh, thank you. That would be wonderful. Well then, I'd better get back to my business. And what's your research about? You should ask Adam. Hmm. Well, I'd better get going then. I left Professor Smith walking down one flight of stairs to the second floor where I returned to my office. Hao Liu was answering emails as I walked around his back to get to my own desk. I've just met Professor Smith from the Science of Innovation Business Group. What's his research about? Well, we're supposed to ask Adam. Smith's office could be very useful in case of emergencies. Okay... I turned my attention to my emails, 42 unread messages. Professor Smith had already sent his introduction email to Francis, who replied immediately. Hey Mark, nice to hear from you. Yes, I am more than happy to meet with Robert. It's always nice to meet another AFOL. How can I help? I replied right away. Dear Francis, I had all my bricks in one big box and I wanted to rebuild my old models together with my daughters. It took forever to find the right bricks, so I decided to sort them by their colour. It took a long time, but in the end I still could not find the right bricks quickly. Do you have any better ideas on how to sort the bricks? It looks like the more time I spend on sorting them, the less time I will need to find them, and vice versa. 
But what is the optimal system? Any help is welcome, Robert. It was not long before I received a reply. Dear Robert, it looks like you are on your way to become a true AFOL. It might be easier if you visited me and I can show you my system. How would Wednesday at 8pm suit you? I live at 63 Harbour Road. Hope you can make it, Francis. Francis, I would be delighted to visit you. Thank you for your invitation. See you on Wednesday. Rob. When I opened the door to the living room back home, I found the girls playing with the bricks. They'd opened all the boxes and were happily building an abstract pattern on a base plate. Poppy was carefully putting the bricks into the right colour sequence. Uh, what are you building? I'm making a pattern. I take one from this box, and then one from this box, and then one from the green box. Hey, that is so cool. And what are you building, Camellia? This is a farmhouse. Look, this is where all the animals are asleep, and that's where they'll play. Whoa, that's such a good idea. I sat on the sofa for a little while, observing the children, and an inner glow filled my heart. Sorting the bricks had paid off after all. My stomach growled and I got up to walk to the kitchen. Marky was not there, so I walked to the master bedroom where I found her lying on the bed, focusing on her phone. Hi there. You okay? Yes. Uh, what are you going to cook? I don't know. I'm hungry. Then eat a snack. Oh, could you please cook now? Don't push me. Hmm. My stomach no longer just growled, it burned. I knew this feeling well enough and I knew the remedy. I walked to the bathroom to take an antacid pill and a paracetamol for good measure. The minty taste calmed me down a little. The girls passed me by when I returned to the corridor. They ran to their room, arguing who would get which stuffed animal. I sat down on the sofa again, feeling like I could never get up again. My stomach was still having a barbecue party and my shoulders endured a ripping pain that slowly crawled to, up towards my neck. I took out my phone. 26 new email messages, six Facebook notifications. I quickly scrolled through the stream of other people's happiness until my eye caught the mess on the floor. Uh, girls! I don't want to sort the bricks every night. The more I sort them, the easier it will be for the girls to play with them, but the harder it will be for them to sort them back correctly. If I force them to sort them every night, then they might not want to play with Lego at all, which means that I will end up having to sort them. I looked at the clutter on the floor, accepted my fate and sat down on the floor. I picked up the bricks and threw them back into their boxes. This task had the right amount of complexity to prevent my mind from having any other thoughts and the progress I made calmed me down. A sense of satisfaction and tranquility emerged from every brick that I threw into the right box. The burning in my stomach was slowly replaced with an increase in pressure in my lower bowels. The intensity grew rapidly, leaving me no choice but to press my buttocks firmly together while firmly walking across the room. Daddy, look at what Pinky's done. I can't look at it right now. <sighs> this time, everything flowed where it should. When will you ever be able to control this? This is so embarrassing. Damn you, tethered spinal cord. Why can't you just float? I will have my MRI scan soon. Hopefully that will bring some clarity. What, 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 what did Pinky do? I'm playing something else now. Don't you want to tell me? 
Not anymore. I already told Mummy. Sadness filled my heart as I walked into the kitchen. Marky cooked vegetables and rice. She prepared teriyaki salmon for the children and a steak for me. Once the meal was ready, Marky called everybody to the dinner room. We sat together at the table and had a casual conversation about what had happened to us during the day. The stories from preschool and school lightened my mood and when we cleared the table I stood behind Marky and gave her a strong hug. We stood together for a while and Marky seemed to relax into the enclosure of my tall, warm body. When my hand slowly began making its way up from her belly, her back quickly stiffened and she escaped from my embrace. I have to prepare the lunch for the children. Can I help? Can you bathe the children? They already bathed yesterday. Can you please bathe them anyway? That's bad for their skin. Can you please just do it? Right, all right, all right. While Marky worked into the kitchen, I put the children into the bathtub. While they played in the water, I returned to the kitchen. I could go shopping. The supermarkets are conveniently empty at this time of day. Do whatever you want. Shall we make a list? What are you planning to cook this week? I don't know. Maybe you could think about it. Makes sense to go shopping just once. I have this new app that allows you to quickly create a shopping list. What? You can even synchronise the list with others. Where's your phone? I could install it and then we could share a shopping list. Check this out. It's so cool. When you start typing it, auto-completes based on previous items. Maybe another time. I still have to prepare my lunch. But this would save so much time. You could list all the items you need and I could get them on the way home. This is extremely efficient. I'm busy. You can even shake the phone to clear the items you've already got. You need to check on the kids. Uh, what, what's wrong? I got stuff in my eyes. Yeah, it yeah, hurts. Yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. Here, wash your eyes with this towel. What is going on? She got some soap in her eyes. Everything is under control. I've got this. Why didn't you help them with the shampoo? Oh, they're old enough to do it themselves. Look, I've got this. I said, I've got this. Don't be angry, Daddy. I have already washed my hair. Thank you, Poppy. We all followed our evening routine and once the children were in bed, I also collapsed onto my bed. I heard Marky in the adjacent bathroom preparing to shower and the image of her naked body occupied my thoughts. I imagined how the water would flow along her body and I could not find inner peace. A few minutes after the noise of the water had stopped, I walked over to her room. She had already put on her underwear and applied one of her many creams on her face. Again, I hugged her from behind, looking through the bathroom mirror at her face. I kissed her on her neck. She stood motionless as she felt the pressure of my erection against her hips. I am tired. Me too, but I can't sleep. We have to get up early tomorrow. I know. I'm not in the mood. Maybe we can work on that. I don't think so. But it's been weeks. I am ready to explode. I want to watch my drama episodes. I have so little time. Resignation set in, and Marky noticed the disappointment in my face. Rejecting my needs seemed to give her an inner glow of satisfaction. Sadness took over my body and my chin sunk down. No thought could push aside the immediate pain of the rejection. I turned around and left the room without words. I hope that she regrets her success at least a little bit. I sat down on my bed, my laptop on my lap. 
I visited the Lego website and looked at all the wonderful sets it offered. The modular buildings looked amazing. They had incredible details and the floors could be separated. The cinema had only two floors, but the lobby had two counters and a popcorn machine. The upper floor was in the cinema hall with six seats, a projector and a large screen. The set also had a movie star that would arrive in a limousine. I had bought one of the modular buildings already and it was fun building it, with or without the girls. I put two of the buildings I was missing into the shopping basket and within a few minutes I had something to look forward to. There is nothing better than anticipating the arrival of a large parcel at your front door.